That is one of my favorite projects that I have worked on in uh, quite some time. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing when you bring a group of kids together and you put a bunch of cameras up and you press record and you start asking questions. There's just a special magic that happens. So that, that was a lot of fun. And for those of you who uh, are breathing a sigh of relief this morning because you know that we filmed your kids and they didn't make it to the final cut, um, well, hold your horses because uh, there's a few versions of that video that we're going to use throughout this series. Uh, so you may need to sweat it out just a little bit longer on that because there are some good ones coming. Let me just tell you, it is Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, good job making it in uh, this morning on this spring forward daylight savings time morning. Uh, I just want to just make you aware of something that will happen about 1145. Uh, some people will start walking in uh, thinking that they're coming to church. Uh, they're going to be disoriented. So, you know, just be cautious, just gently, slowly, you will welcome them in. Help them realize what's, what's going on. Um, hey, I also want to let you know that there is an environment right after this service uh, over here in uh, one of the, the music rooms. You follow the signs around. It's called Next Steps. If you are newer to the church and you are looking to get connected, take the next steps of getting involved here. Um, just ask some questions. Find out a little bit more about the church. This is a great environment for you. would encourage you to go to that right after the service. It lasts about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, some of our staff will be there to connect with you. Uh, great opportunity for you to do that. Well, as Emily said, my name is Matt, and I have the privilege of launching us into this new series, Word to the Wise, Unpacking the Proverbs. And uh, throughout this series, over uh, the rest of this month and a little bit of April, we're going to be journeying through this series together, and we're going to be team teaching this series. And so uh, throughout our time, a number of folks will be coming up to share uh, some of their favorite Proverbs, some of the wisdom that they've gained over the years uh, through reading through this book, and I think you are going to just truly enjoy that. And our desire in this series is just to acknowledge that we live pretty busy and distracted lives. We can struggle to sit still and to take in the truth of God's word, and then pair that with the fact that we live in, in a world, in a time, in a culture that is little by little each day diminishing the value of truth. And rather than being grounded in wisdom and, and truth in our day-to-day, -day, we are just constantly tempted to just be people that react and, and just move towards things with the, the first feeling and opinion that pops into our mind. And yet sometimes it's the simplest, most straightforward truths that our frantic and fast-paced hearts need to hear. So I want to take a few moments to, to set this up for us, to set up the, the series and a little bit of what we'll be looking at. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to the book of Proverbs and you can stick a thumb in there and we're going to take some time to look at a couple of Proverbs this morning. Uh, if you are from the, the sword drill days like me and you like to just catch up on all the different places we'll be going this morning, you can certainly follow along, but Proverbs is where we will end up spending most of our time. If you don't have your Bibles, we have the scripture for you on the screen. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, as always, we would love to put one in your hands. So as you leave here today, stop by the Connection Corner, and we'd love to give you a Bible as our gift to you. Well, Proverbs is a book with 31 chapters packed with hundreds and hundreds of amazing thoughts and perspectives, but it is far more than just a random collection of wisdom, poetry, 
or Christian fortune cookie writings. There's actually Christian fortune cookies that you can buy. I found this out. And uh, Proverbs is, is more than that. It's easy to look at it and see these sort of bite-sized chunks of wisdom. But, but what it does is it raises questions of values, moral behavior, the meaning of human life and the right ways to live in obedience and agreement with God and his word. And the majority of Proverbs were written by King Solomon. Solomon succeeded his uh, father, King David, and uh, towards the beginning of his reign, we find him in the temple in this scene where he's worshiping God and, and he's making sacrifices, which was the appropriate form of worship and atonement back in those days. And so we want to step into to just uh, this scene really quickly to, to set this up. So I'm going to be looking in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, starting in verse 7. Because in this moment, an amazing thing happens as Solomon's in the temple worshiping God appears to him. And in verse 7, it says, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. Which is just amazing if you, you think about that. For Solomon, Solomon coming from already the, the royal blood, the royal family, he's just succeeded his father as king. And here he is stepping in to the role of king. And God appears to him and says, hey, what is it you want? What, a, what an amazing moment. Verse 10, Solomon gives his answer. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, possession, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. And I'm going to jump over to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite. Wiser than He-Man. We got to pause there for just a second because <laughs> that's awesome. I, I didn't, yeah, yes. <laughs> oh man, I never thought He-Man is wise. I mean, the dude's running around in his underoos and a sword and whatever, but you know, I don't know. Anyway, I just wasn't expecting that when I was studying this passage. All right, wiser than He-Man, Calcol, Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. Verse 32, he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. Because when you've written 1,000, why not five more? He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his great wisdom. So here we see this amazing moment, again, where King Solomon is worshiping God. God arrives, says, hey, what, what is it you want? Anything you want, what, 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 what can I give you? And Solomon asks for wisdom and understanding. 
And God is just so impressed with that's what he asks for that, that he gives it to him along with all of this just power and, and riches and fame. And so here's Solomon instantly sort of moved to the, the valedictorian of the Bible, if you will, you know, uh, just unbelievably wise, wiser than all of the wise men. It says, a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And so this book of Proverbs that we're going to be looking at uh, over the next number of weeks, um, of the 31 chapters, it's believed that 29 of them were penned by Solomon. So of his thousands of Proverbs, we see a number of them in this book. We're going to come back to Solomon in a little bit, but for now, I want to spend the majority of our time today looking at two Proverbs. One that is famous and one that you've probably heard if you've been around the church or faith for any length of time, maybe one you've even memorized. And then another one that is just one of my all-time favorites, and I think the two tied together really well. So let's start in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So much here. I mean, I feel like this is such a profound, amazing, simple truth. We could just stop and just, you know, all go out and get this tattooed on our forearm. And then when life gets a little bit crazy, we just look down, read it, and just be reminded of this profound wisdom. Because I think regardless of where we are at life, there's, there's some element of our life that we can probably relate to this and the power that could be found in this. Maybe you're in a season right now where life is just difficult. You're finding yourself in the, the midst of struggle, in the midst of some tough circumstances. Maybe you're someone that you're just trying to find your place in this world. Where do you fit in? Where do you belong? What, what is your voice in this whole story? Maybe you're leaning in and you're trying to understand God's will for your life, what he has for you, the direction that he is leading you towards. Or maybe you're just facing a big decision and you're looking for some kind of confirmation on what to do. Well, this passage gives really solid direction and I think it breaks down in three simple directives that I want to take a look at. The first is trust the Lord with all your heart. Trust the Lord with all your heart. This is such a critical starting point, and this is first. This is that when your head lifts from the pillow and your feet hit the ground, may you be found in this posture of trust, a moment by moment, step by step, day by day, dependence and trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, at the end of the day, this passage is talking about a faith that is absolutely and completely grounded in truth and in a God who will come through on all that he has promised to do. So the question here is, do you trust God with the critical areas of your life? Do you trust God with every critical area of your life? Are you living and walking a circumstantial faith or a deeply authentic faith. 
See, having an authentic faith does, does not mean that we don't find ourselves in challenging seasons. It does not mean that we won't have times of doubt, fear, or even frustration, because certainly we do. That's part of the human condition. And yet we have a Savior who understands and can relate. But a circumstantial faith is a faith that is constantly being moved and rocked and ravaged by the circumstances of the day. A bad moment for you means that God must not love me. Hard news equals that I, I must have done something that disappointed God and now he's coming after me. Now he's trying to get even with me. Circumstantial faith is completely based on what we see and what we experience and often has an incorrect view of God and his character. It is based on our ability to interpret events and circumstances. This is a narrow and fragile faith. And the foundation of it shifts with each passing emotion, thought, or circumstance. Versus an authentic faith that finds itself in the foundation of Christ Jesus. He has won the victory. He's bridged the gap between us and God. He's restored us and he's promised to share in his great inheritance with us. Our faith and identity is rooted in him and him alone. And when that is the case, we can step back and we can view life and faith with a big picture perspective. Rather than viewing faith as a religious or just this magical series of actions and reactions to keep God at bay or to manipulate him in some way to try and get your way. You see, this trusting in the Lord with all your heart is a trust and a submission that puts him in full control of your life. Even when it means him telling you no. Authentic faith is confidence that God is who he says he is. And he is faithful to do all that he has promised to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The second is lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Not only do you submit your trust to the Lord, but you equally do not rely on your own understanding. Come on, church, how many times do we get ourselves in trouble when we lean into our own thinking? You see, this is a proclamation, something that we say to ourselves of self, you are inadequate. Brain, you don't have enough wisdom. Even Solomon, the wisest man on earth, he, he's leaning in and he's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be tempted to think that you can completely trust your own thinking and your heart. Because if you do, you're vulnerable of being deceived and veering off course. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't think. It doesn't mean that you don't plan or dream. It doesn't mean that your thoughts or opinions about life don't matter because certainly they do. It just means that you don't bank on your own abilities and your own thoughts. It's a willingness to lean on something else, the trustworthy arms of your heavenly father. And this is the opposite of what the world wants us to do, right? Do your own thing. You do you. Find your own truth. Now see, this is a humbling of self to say, what does God 
and his word have to say about this situation, this struggle I find myself in, this decision that I'm needing to make? What what does his word have to say? This decision that's just pressing in, what is God's spirit speaking to me? Lean not on your own understanding. Number three, in all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. Other versions of scripture say, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And the translation of this is, in everything, know him. I love that. In everything, know him. In everything you do, know him. And you've heard it said, it's not a religion, it's, it's a relationship. And that's what this is. It's an acknowledgement of his presence with you. It's a welcoming of him and his spirit into all aspects of your life. It's the struggle and pain that you find yourself in and you are calling out to him for rescue, for help. It's the victories that you find yourself in and that's when you honor him and you give him glory. In the decisions that you are asking him, like Solomon did, you ask, grant me with wisdom and knowledge to know what to do here. Know him in everything. Bring him into every situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. This passage speaks to a faith that leads towards a life that isn't veering to and fro down the road of life. It's rooted in truth and promises of a God who is good and worthy of your trust. It doesn't mean that there won't be rough spots in the path. It doesn't mean that you won't fall. It doesn't mean that the path will always be clear. But as you grow in your faith and your dependence in him, I believe you will have the courage to keep putting one foot in front of the other in your daily journey. And he will be faithful to guide you as you go. So I need to share a little bit with you about my path recently. And I'm so pleased that we get to do this in Waffle House here together this morning because it's the way I would want it. If we could all just climb up in one of these booths, that would be weird and awesome. And I just want to say for those of you who are going to hear this for the first time, I'm sorry. There's no great way to just dive in and share this, so I'm going to do my best to be direct and to be honest. Uh, Some of this was brought up a couple weeks ago at the Tuesday evening uh, church meeting. Um, So some of you may have heard a little bit along the way, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story. And for those of you visiting for the first time, welcome. This is going to be weird. Go to Next Steps and they'll clear it all up for you. (laughs) But today is my last Sunday at Mission Point for a while. Uh, I've resigned from my position. And while I'll be helping out behind the scenes for a few weeks, I will be wrapping up my primary responsibilities this coming week. And if you were with us at the beginning of the year, we went through a series called Stretch. Stretch. 
And in week one, Kondo shared a story in the book of Matthew of Jesus climbing a mountain with three disciples. It was a really tall mountain with a brutal climb where the disciples and Jesus must have struggled. Their legs ached and their lungs burned and probably more than once they thought, why are we doing this? But then they get to the top and there's this beautiful scene of transfiguration. They, they see Moses and, and Elijah and Christ is revealed in all his glory and, and God speaks and it's just so amazing. Peter is ready to set up tents and just stay there in this mountaintop moment. You see, as Kondo shared the story and he shared about the struggle of the climb, he related that to the experience of our leadership and our staff as we journeyed through this past year, 2017. It was a brutal, painful climb to the mountaintop. Our legs ached and our lungs burned. And Eric and I really resonated with that because 2017 was a really painful year for us. Many of you know that back in October, I found myself in the hospital in the emergency room, unsure if I was having a heart attack. I was experiencing chest pains and wasn't sure what was going on. And so I went in, I spent about 36 hours at KCH and they ran all the, the standard tests and procedures and, and they released me and, and thank God my heart was fine and there was no cardiac issues. But after some follow-ups and some further tests, I have learned that my body has been under extreme stress and is chronically fatigued. Now, everything is, is treatable and is being treated, and I've already experienced some encouraging process or progress. But ultimately, what the test confirmed is that my physical body was catching up to what my heart and my mind have been experiencing for a while. I was burned out. And I felt terrible because it's not like I was alone. Our executive staff at the time, Kondo, Emily, who you just saw, Josh Salzgiver, had all been wearing a lot of hats and carrying really heavy loads. And really our whole staff team was being stretched. But I was confronted with this crossroads moment. And what I knew is more than just my physical body, but all parts of me, physically, mentally, and emotionally, were not healthy. The burnout was affecting me and it was hurting my family. It was affecting my performance at work. I knew I was letting people down and I was dropping balls and things at home were going left unattended. And I was becoming more and more frustrated and more and more concerned that it was only going to get worse. In fact, the first time I thought my heart was giving out, I was on this stage teaching to you all here in the 1045 service. And I thought I was going down. The room started to spin. My chest started to hurt. I had tingling in my arms. And uh, I just took a couple of deep breaths. I said a prayer in my head and I kept going. And you see, that's my pattern. Is just take a breath, say a prayer, and keep going with an emphasis on the 
keep going. So I sat down with Kondo in early November and I said, Kondo, I love you. I, I love this church. This isn't me quitting, but I just can't keep doing what I'm doing in the way that I'm doing it. We talked through a variety of options and I initiated and I invited him to be willing to do anything uh, from restructuring my job into a part-time position or even coming to the place of saying, we need you to go to, to make room for some other people. Kondo, the elder board, Angie Wood, our executive director, they were all just so very gracious working with me on options. And we came up with a part-time position where I would continue to help teach and lead our video production and graphics department. And our staff team and our tech volunteers have just been amazing. And that so many people have shifted their roles and responsibilities to compensate for the things that were coming off of my plate. And I'm truly grateful for everyone and the ways they worked to accommodate me. It's been extremely humbling. But after a few months of trying this new part-time role, it just wasn't working. It wasn't something that was sustainable for my family, and I was not finding the margin and space I needed to pursue a more healthy way of life. So these last few months have been an absolute wrestling match mentally and emotionally, and I've needed to trust the Lord with all my heart, and to lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, try and submit to him and beg that he would make my path straight. And I wish I could say that I nailed it. I didn't and I haven't. I've tripped and I've stumbled through the process and I've leaned into my own understanding far more than I'm proud to admit but God is good and gracious and he's been present to pick me up and provide me with new mercies and fresh perspective each day. And see, this is where I love the scripture. Solomon is, is, is positioned and painted as the wisest man to ever live. And he didn't nail it either. If you study his life, you will find plenty of stories of his miscues, his disobedience, his screw-ups. And that's where Jesus comes in and completes the picture for us. And gives us one of the most important realizations of we can't put our trust in anyone but him. You will be let down. And you see, it's not about being perfect and having all the knowledge in the world that gains us acceptance with God. It's through trust and faith in Jesus that we can arrive as royal screw-ups and find forgiveness and mercy in him. Okay, so let me try and just read your minds for just a moment and attempt to answer some of the immediate questions that you may have. Uh, I cannot stress this part enough. This was my doing. This was my decision. Uh, I opened the door for these changes and I made the choice to resign. I love Kondo, I love our elders, I love Angie, I love our staff team, and I love you all.
And this is the hardest decision that I can ever recall having to make. But in an effort to get to a healthier place of life, to return to the center of who I believe God has created me to be, and to create space to pursue some new things, I believe that it's time. I didn't promise myself I wouldn't cry because I knew that I would, so. (laughs) Our family is leaving Mission Point uh, for at least a season. As a family, we need to reclaim some things, and I believe us creating some time and space away from the church is going to be really helpful for us. But right now, we have no plans uh, to leave Warsaw We love this community. Our kids are having an amazing school experience. And we're wanting to put the bulk of our efforts into Erica's art studio and see if we can continue to grow that place, which is crazy, and I'll share more about that in a minute. But I primarily will be using my time to help further grow the studio as well as I'll be looking for businesses and organizations that I can help with their communications and video needs. And I mean, finally, Atlanta traffic, you know? Um, I mean, if you want to talk about being unhealthy, sit in that stuff every day. So no desire to get back to that. So we are planning to stay here in Warsaw. Unless it snows again and I might change my mind, but we'll see. (laughs) okay so I said at the beginning I wanted to share also one of my favorite Proverbs and I think it connects really well with what we've been talking about it's Proverbs 16 9 it says this in their hearts humans plan their course but the Lord establishes their steps I like how the new American standard Bible says it uh, this way "The the mind of man plans his way but the Lord directs his steps. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. As I said earlier in Proverbs 3, lean not on your own understanding. Don't bank on it. Don't, don't count on it. But again, it doesn't mean that you don't think. It doesn't mean you don't wrestle, you don't plan, you don't dream. You see, I think it's actually quite the contrary. I believe some of our biggest missteps in trusting God and following Jesus is not taking steps at all. I've lived many moments of my life just paralyzed with, what if I'm making the wrong choice? What if this isn't God's will for my life? And scripture certainly calls for times of being still and rest and waiting and listening for the Lord. But faith in the grander scheme and picture is something I believe that is meant to be living and active. If we just look at Jesus' teachings and what he's calling his followers to, I mean, he starts with drop your nets and follow me at the end of his ministry go therefore into all the world he says i have come that you may have life and life to the full what i see is this picture of this living moving active faith and i believe as i said before trusting in the lord with all your heart is a faithful daily process of getting up and taking steps towards jesus with your life and while we often stress about is this god's will 
I think we honor him by trusting and acknowledging him in the process. But then take a step forward. Every day, take a small, faithful step forward. And some days you're going to find yourself at what feels like you're at the edge of some sort of ledge and you're going to need to take a little bit of a leap. But keep moving forward. You find yourself still stressed with a decision, still caught in a struggle. Just ask, what does God's word have to say? Does it say anything about this? Is there any direction in the scriptures I can find about this thing that I'm going through? Is this thing sinful or immoral? I mean, is it really simple just to look at it and just be like, no, this is just wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be a part of this. This relationship is not healthy. What do those closest to you have to say about it? What's the feedback that you're hearing? And I'm not just talking about maybe one over-anxious mom, but like what's the collective feedback of those who know you and love you? What are they saying? How are they speaking in to you? And then finally, as you're approaching whatever this thing is, whatever the struggle or the decision or whatever it may be, do you sense as you lean in a sense of spirit of peace or spirit of chaos? Because I believe the Lord provides peace. So if it passes the basic sniff test, then I would say dream. Make plans. Take steps forward and trust that God will direct your steps as you make them. See, I believe in this daily journey and this process, this idea of God making our path straight. It has to do with our perspective and the place that we should find ourselves in, in that when we are journeying with God in a daily faithful matter, we are right here. And all that we see in front of us is the next step. Just take the next step and right in front of us is the Lord's leading us. It's straight. But I think if we back up over the course of our life and we look down at the path, we're going to see this crazy, looping, swirling path that's moving all over the place and think, oh my goodness, how did I navigate that? And yet when you walk with God on a daily basis, he will lead you to the next step. So go plan your course. Take action, move forward, and trust that God will direct the next steps. Think about the number of times you've said or you've heard someone say, you know, if you would have asked me that five years ago, if I would be fill in the blank, I would have never thought that's where I would be. To me, that sounds like the Lord directing and moving our steps. Like 10 years ago, if you, you'd approached me, in Atlanta. At that point, I'd been in Atlanta for over 30 years, and, and you'd said, you know, hey, you know, where, where do you see yourself? For me, I, you know, I lived all my life in Atlanta, and um, I would always say, you know what, if I ever leave Atlanta, I'm going to move to Colorado. I had an aunt and uncle that lived there, visited there a number of times, skied, you know, mountain climbed, the whole, loved it, amazing, thought it was the most beautiful place in the world, thought if I ever leave Atlanta, I'll go there, but probably nowhere else. If you would have come to me and said, hey, do you ever see yourself moving to northern Indiana to be a pastor? No? Weird? Four years ago when I, I took this job, if you would have come and said, well, what do you think about you and Erica starting an art studio and you eventually leaving the church to pursue that? <laughs> what? 
No, no, no. I'm not uprooting my family from everything that we've known and loved our entire lives to start an art studio. I'm going to Warsaw to be an executive pastor. Thank you very much. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. When we got here, uh, the Lord began to stir in Erica a vision to do this studio. Then one day about two years ago while driving down Center Street, she audibly heard God speak one sentence to her. And without a bunch of backstory and context, it, it wouldn't make any sense. But what that one sentence did was it unleashed something in her. And when I got home from work that night, she laid out the entire business plan for Spoonful of Imagination Art Studio. Now, we're pretty big dreamers, and so we, we pitch ideas to each other all the time. And I think we do a pretty good job of hearing each other out and then being super wet blankets to each other in our dreams and ideas. What? We don't have time for that. We can't afford that. What you, this is crazy. What are you talking about? But when she presented this idea, I knew in my heart it was from the Lord. And it was something that we needed to pursue. So we set it up as a nonprofit organization so that we could pursue grants and donations to make art experiences accessible for everyone in our community. And we'd experience the healing power of art in our foster children. And so we knew that not only could we just encourage families and kids in general, but we could come alongside families and kids who are in crisis. We could open a space for them to come together and to create and to provide a sense of healing. Well, God provided the space, and then he provided the funding we needed to renovate that space. And last April, we tripped our way through opening the Spoonful Studio. And we kept making our plans and trying to take faithful steps forward. And with each step, the Lord would guide us. And it's even been fascinating to look at what we were thinking a year ago to where we're at today. And how much the vision is more alive than ever, but it's looking a lot different than we had anticipated. And we've seen so many amazing things through this place. And God's been so good to us, and it's been such a fun journey for us to do as a family. One personal story I wanted to share through it as we wrap up. Last May, we took in a, a little boy and girl a brother and sister foster placement. Uh, biological mom and dad, they were going through a tough time and that was certainly made much harder in losing their kids. Uh, through some of the visitations and meetings, we met mom and dad and we tried to build a little bit of a relationship with them. We wanted to encourage them and have a good open dialogue about what was going on with their kids. We celebrated their daughter's first birthday at the studio together. And it was great. But then things took a little bit of a turn and our relationship with mom and dad became really difficult. It became so hard that we had to cut off all communication. And in August, the kids were moved to another home. Long story short, mom, whose name 
is Amy, is doing really well. And she gave me permission to share all of this, by the way. She made some hard choices and has done the excruciating work of turning her life around. She's trusting God with her life and she is faithfully, cautiously approaching each day, taking steps forward. And her kids got to go home to her in February. And right before they went home, their current foster mom brought the kids into the art studio to paint. And Amy arrived there to pick them up. And it was the first time we'd seen each other in five or six months, but we had, uh, you know, a brief but nice visit. And then Amy texted the kid's foster mom and told her that, that seeing us and, and being in that place was really healing to her. And we thought, wow, that's, that's so cool. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we weren't sure, you know, if that was it, because at that point... She had her kids back. But then Amy came back to the studio. And she keeps coming back to the studio. And we've had opportunities to, to reconnect with her and the kids. The other day, Erica and a friend went to go see Amy at her work. And we've had opportunities to babysit the kids. And uh, a night recently where I was traveling and gone, Erica invited Amy and the kids over to our house for dinner. This is a girl Erica was afraid of, and she's excitingly invited her into our home while I'm gone. Then the ultimate for me, Erica needed an assistant to work a birthday party at the studio this week, and she called Amy, and Amy worked with Erica, and they partnered together and celebrating a girl's birthday with her family. See, when Erica presented the business plan of the studio to me two years ago, one of the sub-point items buried under a section about employees was a bullet point that essentially said, provide biological moms in the foster care system with work. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Amy texted Erica a message the other day, and I just wanted to read to you what she said. Erica, my church talks about how when someone is walking in the light and they walk into a room, you should be able to tell. I can tell you, when I see you, it's very evident that you walk in the light. You just shine. I could cry right now because the healing it has brought to me to know you is amazing. To go from complete hate for you to looking up to you is amazing. God is amazing. He shows me every day I'm loved. Thank you so much. Now, I could share a lot of stories and stats and things, really cool things happening at the studio, but this story boils it down to the point for me, that God has given us a unique opportunity and vantage point to be light to this community in that place. So even though we won't be here, we continue to partner with you all in the vision and mission of what it looks like 
to reach the 50,000 and the 140 million through the studio. We'd love to see you and we'd love to create with you and we'd love to continue to lean in and create opportunities for children and families all over our community to experience the love and healing power of Jesus through creating. It's bigger than us and we need your help and support to continue making the studio a place that shines the light that Amy and others are experiencing. Again, I'm sorry if this is the first time you're hearing all of this and it's a bit of a shock. And I just want to give you permission to, to feel whatever you're feeling and think whatever you're thinking and just know that I'm happy to talk further if that would be helpful to you. But enough about me. What about you? Are you trusting God with the critical areas of your life? Truly trusting him with the critical areas of your life. Are there areas that you need to submit to him? Are there plans and dreams where you need to be taking steps forward, trusting that God will guide you? Leslie and the band are going to lead us through one more song. And as they do, I want to invite any of our elders who are in the room, their wives, any of our our small group leaders, uh, to come up and and just be up front here. And and during this song and, and as we exit after the song, I just want to open up space for you to respond. If you would like someone to talk with or to pray with you about some of the things that are going on in your life, some of the areas where you're struggling, just something you need prayer for. Maybe you want to sit and just have a conversation about what does it mean to submit my life fully to God. That's what this time is for. That's what these people that will be coming up here are for. I'll also be down here in just a moment and would love to talk and pray if you would like. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so very much for your love and for all that we have in Christ Jesus. The only one who is worthy of our complete trust. God, I thank you for this place, this church, these people. And Father, I pray your blessings over Mission Point over Kondo and his family, over our elders, our staff, and over each of my friends here. God, I pray that you would just pour out your love and your grace and your resources over this place. And Father, I pray all of us that we would be found faithful in our respective roles and spheres of influence and what it means to be trusting and submitting to you. And Lord, I pray for those here this morning that have not taken that step of faith and what it means to give their lives to you. And Father, I ask that you would give them the courage here this morning to take a step forward. I love you, Father. Father. 